Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. It's another installment of Velvet Owl Watches Movies so you don't have to. This week we're doing another request from Eric Zdrowski. You know, I've known that guy for over 20 years and I still don't know how to pronounce his last name, which would make me a bad friend. But he's making me watch this movie, so that makes him a bad friend. And the movie I'm talking about is Baby's Day Out, about a baby going on his day out and getting into all sorts of wacky adventures and being chased by Joe Montana, not Montana, Montana, Joey Pants, and a third guy who I don't know. So let's get this started with. The opening credits are done in the style of a storybook, which looks to be like the most boring storybook ever, which is just of a mother taking her baby out for a walk in a stroller. And yeah, really, that's all that happens. They walk past the zoo, don't really go to the zoo and interact with any animals. They just walk past it and walk into a building. And then there's some shots of pigeons in the storybook. Um, yeah, I think my son would have hated me if I tried to read him a storybook like that. Yeah, just straight up just punched me and said, Dad, I'm 15. Why are you reading me this shit? So I'm guessing that's going to be the backstory that you need to know for this uh, film. A mother pushes her baby in a stroller. So now that we got the backstory and get into the real story, we know the background for these characters. They like to go for walks. Um, this was written by John Hughes, but he didn't want to direct it, I guess, because it's directed by someone else. So that right there is a bad sign that not even John Hughes wants to really be like, yeah, yeah, I just wrote this in a couple of hours because the studio promised me uh, eight ball of coke if I did it. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't want to get sued by the estate of John Hughes for claiming that, you know, he was doing cocaine and wrote film scripts for said drugs. It's just a joke. Please don't sue. I have no money. So while apparently I think no one would actually like this boring-ass book, the titular baby of Baby's Day Out loves the book, which incidentally is also called Baby's Day Out. So maybe that's the whole thing, is that he just wants to reenact this book, but his mom won't take him. Uh, Cynthia Nixon is the nanny reading the book to Baby, and I think this was before she started having sex in the city. Um... So, yeah, she's a she's a virginal nanny. She hasn't discovered sex yet, and she's not in the city. Or maybe this is the city. This is, like, a rich city. Not uh, not gritty like New York City. Um, and she hasn't run for governor yet, which, I don't know. In retrospect, she probably would have done as good of a job during the pandemic. But... Um, sorry for that momentary lapse in thought. <laughs> Ironically enough, while I'm recording this, my wife just texted me. Her tattoo artist has a recommendation for this 
podcast, so in a future episode, I may or may not do it. I will try to do it if I can find the film, but for this week, Baby's Day Out. And so, you know, Cynthia Nixon should have been governor. She could have done just as good of a job with the pandemic, but that's neither here nor there. She's just a nanny here. And Laura Flynn Boyle and some guy, her husband in this film, I don't know who the guy is, they're trying to figure out who they should hire as their photographer for the baby because they want to get baby's picture in the newspaper. They haven't met able to manage it yet. Wow, such a rich people problem. Like, oh, my baby hasn't been in the newspaper. Yeah, well, neither has mine. And, you know, he's cuter and something. And he doesn't punch ducks. I I mean, I assume that's going to happen in this film. It better. I have no reason to think that baby's going to punch a duck in this film, but if it doesn't happen, I'm going to call this the worst film about a baby going out ever. So a trio of criminals, Joe Montana, Joey Pants, and other guy who kind of looks like Jake Busey if he ate Gary Busey. So we'll call him Fat Busey. No, that doesn't work because Gary Busey is fat. People might think that talking about Gary Busey so Fat Jake Busey. They've kidnapped the photographers as part of their plot to go to rich people's houses and, I guess, rob them or kidnap the babies for ransom. Who knows? Well, I mean, we'll know, probably, once they start their actual crime. And meanwhile, baby's dad is leaving for work because um, they're a rich family and only he works. Mom, I guess, probably just stays at home drinking cocktails or whatever it is rich stay-at-home moms do. I mean, obviously she's not taking care of the baby because there's the nanny. So, but uh, he almost, dad almost forgets to say bye to baby because he's just so busy and so preoccupied that he has to go to his job. And then mom reminds him, hey, say bye to baby. And he's like, well, how can I say no to Laura Flynn Boyle? Because she's hot for a skinny broad. Remember when like she first like hit it big and that was like the big controversy of like, oh, she's too skinny. Which has to be like maybe the only time in Hollywood history like her and Calista Flockhart at that time like that people complained about women being too skinny. Because normally Hollywood's all about, like, you're too fat, lose some weight. And honestly, like, I mean, yeah, Laura Flynn Boyle could stand to eat a sandwich or two. But it wasn't, like, disturbingly skinny. But, yeah, give me, like, a Kate Winslet. Give me some curves. Real women have curves. Like that movie that I didn't watch. Because it looked awful. And no, I will not do it for this podcast. Maybe. If I reach like 600 episodes and I've run out of movies to watch. Maybe I'll watch Real Women Have Curves. Fake Busey. That's what I'm going to go with. Because he looks like he would be a fake Busey. 
So Laura Flynn Boyle's going crazy because she needs to find a perfect outfit for baby because, you know, it's got to be the perfect picture because it's got to get into the newspaper. Oh, Laura Flynn Boyle. If beating women wasn't so morally objective, I'd hit you with a tire iron. In this film. Just for this film. Your character. Your character. Not you in real life, Laura Flynn Boyle, because you seem like a lovely lady. You seem very nice. I have nothing against you. Your character. Completely your character. And, again, not advocating violence against women. I don't advocate violence against anyone. It's just in the theater of our minds. Yeah. Hitting baby's mom with a tire iron. Just seems like it would be a good place for this film to go. And so, our trio of criminals in the most outrageous fake costumes... Although, I mean, I don't know how fake the costumes are because they just stole the cost the clothing from the actual photographers. So, really, what the hell is with the photographers? You know, I'm wondering, is this movie even set in the contemporary times or is it like in olden times? Because I can't tell. It looks like, you know, they're wearing kind of fancy, like, old period clothes. But isn't that kind of what rich people do? But anyways, they've got their fake photo set up. Um, well, again, not really fake because they're using the actual equipment that they stole from the real photographers. So they have it set up at the home and Laura Flynn Boyle, who's actually looking pretty good in distress. So I'll give points for that for anyone, you know, keeping score at home. That'd be an interesting thing. Like, may maybe I'll start doing that, like... Keep a running tally of scores, like, give points for things I like and take points away for things that really annoy me and just give, like, films a Velvet Owl score. That, that's a possibility for a future podcast. But it probably won't happen because it also sounds like a lot of work. But so they bring Baby out to get Baby's picture taken. Okay, I've been being driven crazy though because the butler looks so super familiar i can't place him i can't figure out which cast member he is looking it up on imdb and so the one guy that i think it might be i don't recognize any of his credits so maybe he just has like the typical butler look and all butlers look alike is that like i mean it wouldn't be racist would it be um, careerist, maybe? I don't know, just assuming that all butlers look alike? These are the type of questions that you will not hear on any other podcast, and for good reason. Uh, Joe Montagna has, like, is putting on this, like, outrageous fake French accent, which is another couple of points in the film's favor. Um, and he picks up Baby, and Baby thinks, uh, Joe Montagna looks like the pig in his, uh, storybook i don't see the rec the resemblance but you know i'm also not a baby i have a brain and i can think critically but baby does kick joe montagna in the balls which is probably one of the lowest forms of lowbrow humor and you know what i don't give a fuck i will laugh every time i see someone kicked in the balls you know man hit in the groin by football that should have won all the oscars for real um <laughs> It did win the Oscars in the world of The Simpsons, though, didn't it? it? Won some awards. 
<laughs> but yeah, it will never not be funny to see someone kick them the balls. So Joe Montana is giving all sorts of, you know, fake bullshit of how, you know, he's going to make a great photo and all that. But, you know, one thing is he's going to need some time alone with the baby. And, you know, rightfully so, everyone seems a little concerned about that, but not nearly as concerned as they should be. Um, old to 90s or whatever time period this takes place. Because if this is nowadays, like... I need some time alone with the baby. Like, the fuck you don't, you pervert. But, and Joe Montana, he sends Laura Flynn Boy out of the room saying that, you know, the dress she's wearing is too strong and too distracting. And I agree, because the dress looks good on her. It, I mean, it's a fancy dress. Don't think I'm being all, like, pervy of... Oh, it's low cut and shows a lot of leg and all. <laughs> Although I would love to see Laura Flynn Boyle in a dress like that as well. This is a classy dress and it's just, it just looks good. So an actual costume designer picked out a good dress for Laura Flynn Boyle. And I'm just saying, like, I agree that it probably would distract too much if the focus is on your baby who's wearing some sort of weird, like, golf outfit with, like, the hat with the little beanie poof on top. Like, what the fuck? Did she actually think that was a good idea for a photo? <laughs> Rich people, am I right? So Laura Flynn Boyle goes to get changed, and she's in a slip. And, oh, yeah. This is... Li My mind is a little too inappropriate for a child's film. Again, it's nothing, like, sexy or revealing, the costume designer just did a good job of picking out Laura Flynn's Boyle's wardrobe and clothes that hang really nice on well on her. So, I'm just saying, I'm appreciating it from a costume design point of view. But the criminals kidnap Baby and take him into the truck and drive off. Which I gotta say, if they're planning with kidnapping, um, they better ditch this truck that has the company's logo all over it, because that's going to be the number one thing they look for, the police. They're going to be like, Laura Flynn Boy will be like, so-and-so photography kidnapped my baby. And then someone sees the truck. Oh, there's the truck. That must be them. Hey, pull over. We caught the baby snatchers. Uh, the criminals did listen to my advice. They ditched the van and the fake costumes, and... Uh, Loaded up into another van slash truck. Um, yeah, I don't know what you would consider it. I'll call it a van truck. And Laura Flynn Boyle, and who's changed into another nice dress. I will say it. Again, costume designer. Top-notch job on Laura Flynn Boyle's outfits in this film. So they find a ransom note instead of baby that says, you know, we have your baby, don't call the police. And it's in that typical, like, they cut out the letters from magazines so that they can't, like, identify the handprints, or not that, the handwriting. And the thing I've always wondered is, why do they cut, like, separate letters out for the words? Like, if you're taking the time looking through the magazine, I'm sure you can find the actual words. Um, 
I mean, are you only looking through one magazine and you're just like, eh, here's a B and there's an AB. I'm not going to bother looking for the word baby in this actual thing. So, but of course, the first thing they do is call the police. And dad is, you know, in his limo. And he's gotten a ransom note, too, of, you know, the baby's kidnapped and you got to leave a million dollars in the trash bag or five million. I forget. I forget already. <laughs> I see the thing is, I don't pay like that close of attention because, you know, I see this and then already my mind starts thinking of like what I'm going to say about these scenes or I'm just still thinking about Laura Flynn Boyle in her dress, which, you know, it's, it's from, it's, it's like a gay person would look at it and be like, that's a fabulous dress. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not looking at it as, that's my uh, impersonation of someone drooling. Um, again, I, I just think the, it's a, it's a nice dress. Okay. You know, sue me. This is a terrible film. What else am I going to focus on? Joey Pants gets the unenviable job of having to change baby. Cause I mean, his ridiculous fucking stupid golf outfit, you know, it just screams like, Hey, this is a rich, like person's baby. Not, uh, these three criminals, baby, not, uh, you know, you can't buy that. It's three men and a baby type story here going on with these guys. If he's wearing this stupid outfit. So again, at least it's well planned that they bought like baby clothes beforehand. And kind of amazing that I don't know if they found out the baby's size <laughs> before they got the clothes to change them into. Cause babies like outgrow clothes like so super quick and there's not even really like a standard size for babies clothes and you kind of have to eyeball it half the time because who knows like buying baby clothes is really really hard so congrats to them to be able to like plan this out to get the right baby clothes meanwhile fake Busey has been charged with warming up the baby bottle but he's not sure if you know, the milk is too hot. So Joe Mantegna tells him, well, try it on some skin first. So he decides to try it on Joey Pants's bald head. And it is way too hot and scalding. And Joey Pants is like, what the hell? And I guess that's supposed to be like one of the comedy bits. But the milk is too hot, so they're going to let it cool down. They discover that the baby is very much amused when fake Busey and Joey Pants hit each other and cause each other lots of pain, which, I mean, I guess is kind of amusing. There is something funny about, you know, okay, I laughed. I laughed in spite of myself with it, so baby, I'm, I'm with you on, you know, physical humor. It's not the smartest type of humor, but sometimes it's just that gut reaction. So Joey Pants is trying to put Baby down for a nap, but since they don't have a crib, even though this apartment has, like, every other sort of stolen merchandise, why not steal a crib? Because cribs are fucking expensive, you know, so you should steal one. 
it just makes sense, you know. You cribs have a good resale market because they are fucking expensive. So steal one. I mean, I'm not advocating thievery. I'm just saying if you know the resale market is part of your big criminal operation, you might want to think about crib. Also, if part of your criminal operation involves kidnapping a baby, again, you know, steal a crib. It'll help out. It'll give you a place to put baby in the meantime. And fake Busey is, like, eating some generic Fruit Loops, which he, like, poured way too much into the bowl. Like, it's like a fucking mountain above the bowl, and so much that he has to, like, hold them in place while he's pouring the milk in. And that just seems just overkill. Like, why would you... Why would you overfill your cereal bowl to the point where there's a mountain of cereal? How do you plan on fucking eating that? No. Use your brain, fake Busey. If you were a real Busey, you would probably still do something that stupid. So, maybe that's why he, like, filled the bowl the way he did. He's just, like, asked himself, what would Gary Busey do? And really... Isn't that something we all should ask ourselves? What would Gary Busey do? So they're trying to figure out how to get Baby to fall asleep, so they decide, oh, maybe if we sing him a song. So Joey Pants starts singing, Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I guess the joke is supposed to be like, hey, it's a big, tough criminal, and he's singing Mary Got a Little Lamb. Personally, I thought it would have been funnier if he just sang, like, a wildly inappropriate song. You know, if... I was going to say he should have sung some DMX, but I don't think DMX had come out with anything by the t- at the time this movie came out. Um, but, you know, if he sang, like, some Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, you know, if he sang, like, Bitches Ain't Shit, that would have been hilarious. Um, but I guess the PG rating of the film kind of prevents from using a song like Bitches Ain't Shit. But I'm sure they could have found some inappropriate song that could still muster the PG threshold. But they decide, hey, let's try reading him the storybook that the nanny said, if he has trouble, read him the storybook. Good advice. You should have listened to the nanny from the first place. But at least they are doing it now. Of course, it's proving to be a tough job because Joey Pants can't really read. And that just makes fake Busey laugh at him because... It's funny, Joey Pants can't read, and he's trying to read a kid's book, and... God, I want to just smash my own head with a tire iron. Um, Can we go back to, like, Laura Flynn Boyle and her, like, just awesome dresses? Like, if the film was, like, two hours of that, it probably would be a lot more entertaining than whatever is going on right now. Speaking of Laura Flynn Boyle... She has actually changed out of a dress into a pantsuit, I guess, to signify that, you know, she's being serious right now, um, which, I mean, it still looks good on her, but I, I questioned the costume designer's choice on this one. I, I thought we had something going, costume designer, some, like, bond going, but now you've severed that bond. The police are vacuuming for fingerprints or something. I don't know. The police do that. Like, they had a vacuum to 
I don't know. Can you find clues? Because I would imagine, like, if you got this vacuum, in addition to whatever clues you might have, you're probably also going to get, like, a lot of dirt that may contaminate the clues. Just, I don't know, just doesn't seem to me like something that would make sense as far as, like, a police investigation. But I've never been involved in a real police investigation, so I don't know. If any of you out there know about police investigations and can tell me what that vacuum thing does, I would appreciate it. I mean, I guess I could Google it, but then I would feel lonely that I'm not hearing from you guys. And so the head detective is Fred Thompson from Law & Order. And just like with Law & Order, he's set in New York City and he's still speaking with a Southern accent. Because I don't think he's really that good of an actor. Because he can't, you know, fake an accent. He just has his southern accent. Because he's just good old folksy Fred Thompson. And you can trust him because he's southern. And he's got his folksy ways. And yeah, I kind of was hoping I could do a southern accent. But I can't. But Southern Accents was a good album by Tom Petty. And the Heartbreakers. I've never understood quite, like, why it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and then he has a couple albums that are just Tom Petty, especially since, you know, like, the Heartbreakers are on those albums anyhow. Um, you know, Wildflowers is a fucking great album, but, like, most of the Heartbreakers are on the album anyhow, so I don't know why it's a Tom Petty solo album and not Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um... I've always thought that's, like, lame, like, yeah, we're a band, but, you know, I'm more important, so you're really just a backing band, but I'm giving you uh, credit as if you're a real band. Joey Pants has fallen asleep, while Baby has not, and unfortunately they've left the window open, which, as Eric Clapton can tell you, is a horrible, horrible idea. I'm not making fun of Clapton and his son dying. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that that's probably one of the most famous examples of you shouldn't leave a window open near, like, a child. Um, so, Baby sees a pigeon, just like in his storybook, a pigeon, because, you know, he lives in the rich part of town, so he's never seen a pigeon before. And he gets all excited, and so he walks out onto the fire escape and starts walking after the pigeons. Meanwhile, fake Busey is really annoying Joe Montaigne because he's chewing his nails, he's biting them, and then spitting them out, which is just gross and disgusting. So I'm on Team Montaigne here, you know, even though I do that too sometimes, I do bite my nails, but I don't just like spit them out into the air, I just, you know, I bite them over into, like, a trash can, much like clipping nails, you know, but, so, Joe Montana is just really aggravated, meanwhile, Baby has climbed onto the roof, and he's on, um, the sun window, is that what they're called, you know, those windows on the roof, um, and one of the planes of glass is broken, but, Baby manages to not touch the broken glass. So, 
I don't know, maybe I have to take back my stance on calling him a stupid baby. Because he knows not to touch broken glass. How many babies know that? But he's drooling because of the pigeon, I guess. Um, or maybe just because he's a baby. But I'm going to go, he's drooling over the pigeon. And since he's just a baby, it's, he's not drooling because he wants to have sex with the pigeon. He's drooling because he wants to eat the pigeon. And understandable. Maybe. I'm just now thinking of the Weekend at Bernie's 2, where they tried to get a pigeon to do the voodoo spell. I enjoyed that movie. But, so, he's drooling, and the piece of drool falls on the back of Joe Montaigne's neck, which then makes him think it was fake Busey, so he smacks fake Busey across the head. Even though it's on the back of his neck, so there kind of really was no way for, like, fake Busey to hock a loogie that would just kind of have this weird curved trajectory and hit him on the back of his neck. But at the same time, you know, there's not like there's anyone else in the room and you wouldn't think that, hey, maybe a piece of drool fell from the sky. So I understand why he thinks it's fake Busey. Just the facts just don't corroborate it. You know, it just doesn't stand to scrutiny. And now I'm wondering, like, does Three Men and a Baby hold up like that film? Should I watch that again sometime? I'm just curious. How how does Three Men and a Baby rate in comparison to Three Criminals and a Baby? These are questions that no one else will ask. And for good reason. But Joe Montana does decide to look up. And he sees, oh, it was just Baby. Oh no! Baby's on the roof! So they wake up Joey Pants and they run up to try to catch Baby. But Baby's still going after his pigeon. Um, mind you, there's like a lot of pigeons. But it's just this one particular pigeon he's honed in on. Which is again why I think he wants to eat the pigeon. Because he's like, mmm, that is a succulent pigeon. I want that now. I don't have teeth to eat a pigeon. But I want that pigeon Stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon, grab him, nab him, sab him, baste him, taste him, eat that pigeon now. Am I going to have to pay royalties? Am I going to have to blank out that part of the podcast for using that theme song? Luckily, I don't think enough people listen to this that the, you know, the important people I don't know. The YouTube algorithm might catch it. But luckily, I can't sing well enough that the algorithm will catch the melody. No, it's true. (laughs) I have, like, other videos on YouTube where I do covers, and I've never been hit with, like, one of those copyright things because I sing so off-key, the algorithm doesn't catch it. Fantastic. But so... Baby is, like, so focused on getting this pigeon. And the pigeon is on the end of a board, which 
I don't know why this board is set on the roof the way it is. Like, it's just halfway off the roof. Like, someone was carrying a board and was like, ah, fuck it, I'll just place it here. And thought, will it tip over? Ah, fuck it, I don't care. I'm too lazy to put it entirely on the roof. And why am I putting it on over the ledge of the roof? Just, why? Why is it there? Why is... And... But luckily, like, the half that's not on the roof is directly above another roof. So, Baby, as long as he goes all the way across, he's just going to end up on the other roof. He's not going to fall to his death, which is thankful. Whew! That could have been a disaster. So, Joe Montana is going after him. But, of course, you know, law of physics, Baby gets to the other end of the board... His heaviness is going to bring that board down. The side that's on Joe Montaigne's side is going to go up and hit him in the face. Yuck, 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 yuck. This is uh, some great slapstick. It's regular Three Stooges type slapstick. So, you know, this film would have just done blockbusters in the 1920s when people were really into that style so Joe Montaigne gets you know sort of knocked out like he's still conscious but he's kind of groggy fake Busey is like man this board is just dangerous let me just push it out of the way you know not putting like two and two together that hey that board also is the easiest way to get across to the other roof like oops well we're gonna have to jump and Joey Pants and Fake Busey, they make the jump. However, since Joe Mantegna is still groggy and doesn't know what's going on, he just falls to his death. No, I'm just kidding. Because he manages to get caught by an air conditioner. He hits his balls right on the air conditioner. And again, like I said, someone getting hit in the balls will never not be funny. And that actually was even like a cool way of it happening of falling onto an air conditioner. I think I think I can honestly say this is the first time I've seen someone get hit in the balls by an air conditioner. It's genius. Fuck it, I'm watching that again. You know what, I may not watch the rest of the film. I'm just going to watch that one scene for like two hours. Unfortunately, the air conditioner gives way, and he falls to his doom hitting all this stuff like flower plants and bird feeders on the way, which, you know, helps slow down his descent just enough that he doesn't die when he lands in the dumpster. But he did also somehow end up getting an antenna with him, and it just dropped on his head. But luckily, I guess the antenna did not have enough gravitational force to cause an injury when it landed. Because um, this building, I mean... I'm going to assume it's like four or five stories high. So, like, antenna is pretty big, too. Like, so I would think, like, if you dropped an antenna from the top of, like, a five-story building, that should have enough force that it's going to cause some sort of damage if it lands on someone. It might not kill them, but it's got a 
at least caused some scrapes or something. Now, I missed how exactly this happened, but Baby ends up in someone's apartment. And the lady, she opens the door because UPS has a package for her. And neither of them notice that Baby just kind of walks on by. And he ends up in the elevator with a package, which, I mean, this UPS guy is, like, just terrible if he left the, left the package in the elevator. And then Baby... Luckily, the elevator is going down. Maybe... How did it go down? Because Baby couldn't push the button to hit it down because Baby's, like, tiny. But at the same time, if it went down, that meant that someone on a lower floor decided to hit the down button. So shouldn't they have seen Baby when... Baby came out of the elevator, or it's New York City and no one really cares if they see a baby just walking out of the elevator by itself. And then, as Baby's walking out the door, the door is propped open by a package. Which again, what the fuck? This is like the worst UPS delivery guy ever. You're gonna just leave, use a package as a doorstop? Because you know what's going to happen. Someone's going to steal that fucking package. And then not only have you lost the package. You've lost your doorstop. You know. So it's just. It's not a good idea. I mean. You know. Nowadays. You don't even want to leave like a package on the porch. Because you're like. Man. Someone's just going to fucking steal this. But leave it as a doorstop. Maybe because it's being used as a doorstop. And people are considerate enough to be like. Well, you know, it's a doorstop, so if I steal this package, the person's not going to be able to get back in. Meanwhile, Joey Pants and Fake Busey are checking on Joe Montagna in the dumpster. And they're so preoccupied, they don't notice that Baby just walked right past them. Or crawled. Baby can't walk yet, so he crawled. They do look up in time to see that Baby has... Hot, hopped a ride on the bus, which did the bus driver just not see baby. No one saw baby just go on the bus. Shouldn't the bus stopper, the bus driver stop and go, "Hey, baby, you gotta pay your dollar twenty-five. Or it was probably like fifty cents back in ninety-five, but or whenever the fuck this movie was made. But I mean, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe this film is actually just a pointed social commentary on how no one in New York City gives a fuck. You know, it's like that episode of Black Mirror where they kidnapped, like, the Prime Minister's daughter and said they would only release her if the Prime Minister fucked a pig. And so everyone was so focused on the Prime Minister fucking a pig that no one noticed that they actually had released the daughter, like, hours ago. So it's commentary like that. This is like a precursor to the social commentary of Black Mirror. So now my my opinions of this film are kind of changing. But somehow, before the bus can get too far, they manage to get into their van, which, I gotta say, has some badass airbrushed Native American warrior art on it. Um, I guess this was the days before cultural appropriation, so no one called them out on it. But you know what? Fuck that. If any of you 
have a van and want to put airbrush some fucking badass Native American warrior art on it, go for it. I don't give a fuck. Cultural appropriation. You're showing appreciation. It's cultural appreciation. Because that is just some fucking badass art. But they're in their van and they're chasing after the bus. A lot of wacky driving and wacky U-turns and going down alleyways as they're chasing down the bus. Meanwhile, on the bus, a woman sets down her wicker basket and the bus hits a bump and baby falls into the wicker basket. Oh, no. And she gets off the bus, somehow not noticing that her fucking wicker basket now is like 20 pounds heavier. Like, just, ah. Can you hear me, like, slapping myself? Just, really? She doesn't know. I, okay, I'm going to confess that I personally have never been in a situation where a random baby fell into, like, one of my bags or baskets. But I'd like to think that if a random baby fell into something that I was carrying, I would notice that it was significantly fucking heavier now. Nope. She's just doo-doo-doo walking along. Um, but since the bus stopped, just luckily as our three criminals made it there and Joey Pants runs into the bus and doesn't see the baby. And the bus driver's like, oh, I didn't have anyone with a baby. And Joey Pants is like, but the baby was by himself. And instead of anyone thinking, wait, there was a baby by himself? Maybe someone should call the police or something. Not everyone's like, Nah, whatever. He's crazy. I've got places to go. I gotta get to work on time. Luckily, Fake Busey does notice that baby's in this lady's wicker basket purse. And so they start following after her. And not only does the lady not notice that her bag is, like, significantly heavier, baby's fucking giggling through all this out. So she doesn't stop and think, like, Wait, where's these baby giggling sounds coming from? Sounds awfully close. Oh my god, there's a baby in my purse. Nope, she's just like... I don't know, maybe she's like schizophrenic and just hears baby giggling noises in her head all the time anyhow. So it just doesn't phase her. She's just walking along, she hears the baby giggling. She's like, will you please just fucking shut up in my head? But she does notice that they're going after her, so she swings her other purse and knocks them out, or doesn't knock them out, but hits them in the head, and we're getting a fight scene between the lady and the three criminals, and good for her, standing up for herself and kicking ass. I do have to take back my statement on the bus driver, because he does call it in to his boss or something, asking, does anyone know anything about missing baby? So this will probably all get back to the police or something somehow. Meanwhile, while the lady is going full-on berserker rage on the criminals and chasing them off, Baby gets out of the basket and ends up in a department store because luckily they have a revolving door and someone goes through it and it just ends up pushing Baby because... Again, no one fucking notices that there's a baby out on the loose. Just, what? I don't know. I'm glad I don't live in New York City. Because if I were lost, 
no one would help me. No one would save me because they can't even bother to help a baby. It's a cute baby. Like, maybe if it was an ugly baby, I could see them go, nah. It's a cute, it's a cute white baby. So shouldn't the police, like, pass by and see, hey, it's a white baby. Like, I can understand if it was a minority baby, the police would be like, not my problem. It's a cute white baby. Just, I mean, I'm not saying that to be racist on my end. I'm just saying that, um, statistically speaking, people care more about white babies than minority babies because people are racist. So it's not me. It's fucking 1995 society. That could be a dope-ass rhyme. It ain't me. It's 1995 society. On second thought, no, that's horrible. And so finally, someone notices baby. And it happens to be the employee of what has to be one of the worst-run daycare centers in this department store. I mean, it's the worst-run daycare center of the entire world. It just happens to be in this department store. Because apparently she can't recognize babies to not know this wasn't one of theirs. And also, they must have no, like, sort of sign-in sheet that keeps track of what babies are there. Or else they would have seen, like, oh, hey, we have too many babies here. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the movie Open Water, where the captain of the boat didn't realize that some of the divers were missing. Because when he counted the number of um, air tanks and saw that there was two missing, he simply just fudged the numbers and said, oh, no, we had two less than... I originally said, which, I mean, I guess people might do, but anyhow, Baby does manage to escape the daycare center, and he sees this other woman, she's got a stroller, and underneath the stroller, there's a bottle of, looks like apple juice, I don't know, it could be piss, but I'm gonna guess it's probably apple juice, and Baby's like, well, I'm thirsty, I haven't drank anything since the milk... I don't even know if he got to drink the milk, because it was scalding at the time, I imagine, after it cooled down. So he crawls underneath the stroller to get the bottle of juice, and even though the baby that was in the stroller even says out loud, baby, so that baby said baby, and then there's the extra weight of this baby underneath the stroller, mom starts pushing the stroller and uh, doesn't realize it. I, you know, I used to think New York City might have been like the cultural center of the world or something, but apparently everyone in there is just a big fucking idiot. So they're doing a news report about missing baby, and they show a cranky old son of a bitch in a veteran's home watching it on TV. So I'm guessing he's going to play a part into this later. Because why else would they show him, you know? Meanwhile, Baby has finished drinking the apple juice, so he leaves the stroller, and, you know, still Mom just continues on with the stroller, not realizing that, you know, now it's suddenly lighter. Because not just only Baby's no longer there, he threw out the bottle of apple juice, which is kind of a dick move. And he leaves the building 
and he sees a taxi cab. And he remembers, hey, there was a taxi cab in my storybook. I should go to it. Meanwhile, can you guess what's going on between the building and the taxi cab? Yes, the fucking news report. Um, so he's walking like, again, absolutely no one sees him and somehow no one steps on him. Which, if, I mean, if you're not even looking where you're walking, chances are you're going to step on a fucking baby. That's just the law of the land. But no, he just keeps going on. And not only that, as he's walking, he gets tangled in the cords and the reporter's microphone falls and she stoops down to grab it. Doesn't look where it fell or else she would have been like, hey, there's a baby. Nope, she just reaches down and on top of that, the camera scrolls down as she's squatting down and sees the fucking baby. The baby is on the camera. How did no one go, whoa, 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 hold on. There's a fucking baby there. That might be the missing baby. But you know who does notice? Our three criminals who happen to be watching it on a TV inside the department store. Well, they're not inside the department store. They were walking by the store, and it's one of those stores that has like 50 TVs, and they're all tuned to the news. And that must be like an old school thing or certain area things. Because I've never seen a store that had like TVs in the window and had them like playing stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just... It doesn't happen in the hood where I grew up. So, Baby manages to climb into the cab and onto the seat. And in doing that, still, no one sees him. Cab driver, I guess, didn't look, wasn't looking in his mirror. And whoever the person is that ca is catching the cab put a giant bag next to Baby... Um, I guess placed it without looking. I mean, if I were setting a bag down in the back of a vehicle, I would be looking to make sure I'm setting it down correctly so it doesn't fall over. And honestly, half the times, I don't even really set it down very well, and it still falls over, but I still fucking look where I'm putting it. And... The criminals, they see that the baby's in the back of the cab as it drives off, and they were oh so close. And still, criminals are the only ones noticing the baby, and I guess that's probably because they're the only ones looking for the baby. Meanwhile, at home, baby's dad gets a call from someone who may have some information. And I was thinking, okay, maybe it's someone who saw the news report and saw the fucking baby on the camera. I mean, you would think, like, shouldn't there be, like, five million, like, calls, like, hey, I saw a baby on the camera during the news report. Might have been your baby. Look into it. But, no, it's a guy who lives across the street from the criminals. And the police get there, and, you know, he's doing the whole, eh, I may know where it is, but I ain't talking. I don't remember too well. So he's got to grease the palm, you know paid which baby's dad does because you know he wants to find baby however he's doing this in the full view of like police detectives like the police detectives are right there 
I mean, couldn't the police detectives just kind of be like, okay, you don't remember? How about we take you down to the station? You might remember then. You're obstructing justice. Something. But, I mean, I guess it is the quicker way to just pay him off. So they go to the apartment that the guy tells them. Because he gives them, like, the exact apartment and the name of the person who lives there. And they go. And it's this lady. And she's got, like, ten kids. None of whom are baby. Although one of them is chewing on an Iron Sheik action figure. Which is kind of cool. Sheiky baby. Get those jabronis. Okay, I am not very good at the Iron Sheik impersonation, but... Still cool. So, if I were in their spot, I would be storming back down to that guy and be like, Give us our fucking money back, you fucking asshole. You didn't know. You know, you can't trust people these days, you know? People that want money for information, you can't always trust that information. It's just a sad state of the world. So the cab is pulled up in front of a hotel, which just happens to be across the street from a zoo. And Baby recognizes the zoo from the storybook, so where do you think Baby's gonna go? He wants to go to the zoo, and really, don't we all want to go to the zoo? Just a small, teensy problem. This street is one of the fucking busiest streets ever. So, Baby decides he's going to play a little frogger, and no, just fucking no, fuck you, John Hughes. I mean, this just adds to the long list of sins against cinema that you are responsible for. Worst of all being using a crotch double for Breakfast Club, and I spent my youth growing up thinking that I saw Molly Ringwald's crotch, that I saw her panties, but no, it was a stunt double. That, Granted, that's probably more on Molly Ringwald, because she's just not the kind of actress willing to show her panties on film. You know, she's probably just prima donna, like, stunt crotch! So, but still, John Hughes, just... Fuck you! I know you're dead. You're in cinema hell or something right now, because... No! You... Just... Baby crossing the busy street, and absolutely no one sees the baby, and no one fucking crashes, or runs over the baby, or just... God damn you, John Hughes! Just... God damn this fucking film! Anyone remember the program where there was all this controversy because these guys lay in the middle of a busy street and everyone's like, this is terrible. This is going to promote people to do stupid things. And I think it was around the same time as this film. But no, no one's like, hey, this film says it's okay for babies to be in traffic. Just, god damn, I hate you, John Hughes. I hate you with a passion. You... I was going to say you must be stopped, but you have been stopped. You've been stopped by death, but not soon enough. The criminals, of course, they see that baby is in traffic and going to the zoo. So they play Frogger themselves and they fall into 
the hole, but they make it. And I'm sorry, I'm my brain's just having trouble processing anything anymore. Cause, God, this film is so stupid. I, I should count down how many brain cells I am losing watching this. I'm pretty sure I'm at about 1103. Just a guesstimate. But they go to the zoo. They somehow follow baby tracks to the gorilla house. Baby's in the cage with a gorilla, which absolutely no one has fucking seen. Just, he's in the cage with a gorilla. This is a big thing. I mean, this is something that happens a lot, and it's always a big news story. And gorillas are great with babies. This is like one of the main things I've come to realize. Every time a baby falls into a gorilla cage, Gorilla takes good care of it. Gorilla views it as its own baby and it's going to be like, I'm going to protect you, kid. Because obviously your parents are fucking horrible if you ended up landing in a gorilla cage. And you know what? I agree with the gorilla. This baby's caretakers are horrible. Not only the... I mean, I can't blame the parents too much because baby got kidnapped. But the rest of fucking society... That hasn't bothered to look to see that there's a baby on the loose. Is now in a gorilla cage. You know what? I hope that the judge grants custody of the baby over to the gorilla. Because the gorilla looks like he's just going to really take care of baby. So their plan is to just kind of reach into the cage and grab baby. Which, I mean, I guess as far as plans go, like it's... Not the worst, but it's it's pretty close there. Because, um, of course, you know, Gorilla, he's going to be like, no, this is my baby. My baby! You can't have him. And so, a lot of wacky hijinks um, that end up in the criminals getting hit in the balls. So, A-plus for that. Because <laughs> I'm a simple man. You give me enough shots of people getting hit in the balls, and I'm happy. And this film isn't quite making up for all the terrible parts, but people getting hit in the balls. So, so far this film has been like 5% amazingness and 95%. What the fuck? I'm going to punch you, corpse of John Hughes. Because... I mean, this lasts long enough to the point where the gorilla falls asleep for a while with the baby. And they try again to grab baby. It just sends the gorilla to go ape shit. Pun fully intended. I don't care. I like puns. So fuck you if you don't like puns. You don't understand comedy. Puns and people getting hit in the balls. That's the pinnacle of comedy. And... So the gorilla's going apeshit. He's yelling, yelling loud enough that children outside hear it and they get scared. And through all of this, which, I mean, it's been like five minutes of the film. And I think it's supposed to represent maybe like at least half an hour. Because remember, the ape fell asleep for a little while. And in all that time, not one fucking zookeeper has come by to... Even, like, just a normal checkup to make sure, 
Hey, you monkeys and gorillas and other assorted apes. You guys cool in here? Everything good? Okay. Not that, but especially not when you hear a fucking loud yell that's screaming. Why aren't people going, hey, what's this screaming coming from the monkey house? Oh, there's a baby, and Joe Montana's there, and he got hit in the balls. Where are the zookeepers? This is the worst zoo. New York City is just the fucking worst, I think. Just, it's a terrible city because no one cares about the baby or the gorillas. So, then Baby escapes the cage because Baby is an escape artist or whatever. And it makes the ape sad. The gorilla is just, like, very sad about losing his baby. And, honestly, Baby, I think you're making a mistake. You have love and food here in the zoo. If you continue to live in the gorilla cage, you will be taken care of. And you will grow up to be a strong ape boy. You know, and that's a great future. It worked out well for Tarzan. Baby, you could have been the next Tarzan. Why did you leave? Baby, please don't go. I don't think Baby's going to go down to New Orleans. But just... I don't know. I, I think if I had the choice, I, growing up, I may have chosen to live with the gorilla. Laura Flynn Boyle is very sad because, you know, baby is gone and I just kind of want to comfort her and just, just give her a hug and be like, it's going to be okay. I mean, it probably won't be okay because no one's fucking looking at your baby like it's just gone but no it'll be okay it'll be okay just i i want to comfort laura flynn boyle just it's a motherly instinct in me and baby's at the park and he's looking around and he's seeing all these other kids playing with their parents because their parents are very attentive but the parents are only attentive to their own kids but one lady does notice that Baby is there by himself and says to him, Baby, where's your mom? And Baby looks around and he sees one lady sitting on her blanket out there in the park. And, you know, this lady that was asking a question decides to put two and two together and gets 17 because she's not very good at math, and assumes, oh, well, baby looked at that lady. That must be the baby's mom. Okay. Toodaloo. God, I hate people. So the criminals are driving by in their van, and they notice that baby's crawling through the park all by himself. Poor baby. So they stop and get him, and they actually uh, use their brains for once, because they see baby go through a tunnel tunnel so they figure well there's another end to the tunnel let's wait for him there and they capture him but unfortunately since their van is illegally parked right now police stop by to go hey what's going on with the van so you know they try to play it cool they keep baby hidden and you know this doesn't really matter and the hows and why don't matter all that matters is Baby lights Joe Montana's balls on fire. And that is fantastic. And so this movie's moved up to like 
genius. Because, oh my, this is like, this goes on for a while too. Like, this is just, Joe Montana's balls are on fire. This is fucking awesome. I'm going to try to catch my breath and just try to recompose myself, but Joe Montana's balls are on fire. And, of course, Baby escapes because they're too busy trying to, you know, put out the fire that is Joe Montana's balls. And a literal fire. You know, I'm not talking about him getting VD or STDs or anything. No. He's, his balls are on fire. It's a flame. It's fantastic. Wait, the scene gets even fucking better. Because fake Busey decides the best way to put out a fire is to stomp it out. And remember, the fire is on Joe Montana's balls. So fake Busey is just stomping Joe Montana in the balls over and over. So you've, you're combining balls on fire with balls getting stomped. This is one of the greatest scenes in film history. What's it doing in such a shitty movie like this? Just, I guess, you know, sometimes a broken clock finds a blind squirrel's nuts or something. I don't know how the saying goes. Just John Hughes stumbled upon just an amazing scene and just couldn't write a good movie for it. But just stopping a guy's balls who are on fire. Just... Stray Magnifique. Martin Scorsese. Put something like that in your next film. So Laura Flynn Boyle and Cynthia Nixon, they're all sad. They have a heart-to-heart, blah, blah, blah. And then Baby, he decides, hey, here's an active construction site. What better place for me to go than where people are currently welding and sparks are going off and... Baby's gonna go without a hard hat. Just, just kill me now. Fake Busey is running all over the town trying to find Baby. And then he sees Baby sitting on a steel girder eating a donut. Which, Baby did not learn anything of heating, eating, sorry, of healthy eating habits from the gorilla. See, this is what happens when you separate human babies from gorillas. They just... Their diet just turns to shit. So, unfortunately, the steel girder starts being lifted by um, forklift. Not the forklift. You know, the thing with the hangy thingy hook. <laughs> yeah, I th I'm pretty sure that's the uh, technical term for it. And so, the other two criminals come by and they decide that they're going to go into this construction work area. Because the guard on duty is just passed out. And no one, not only does no one notice that, you know, there's just a baby currently, like, flying on a steel girder, they don't notice that there's these three non-union guys not wearing hard hats walking around. Just, what the hell? I am calling OSHA on this uh, construction zone for providing a very dangerous work area, a very dangerous work environment. This just... How... Makes me wonder, like, these, like, skyscrapers and buildings in New York City, they're built on how much blood? I'm generally concerned for Baby's well-being. Not because he's on a girder, because it's an obvious green screen, so he's no, he's no danger there. 
But being in such a shitty movie must obviously have left some sort of mental scar. I'm I'm going to look up whatever happened to Baby from Baby's Day Out. Like, did he just go on a killing spree later on in life? Because if he did, I mean, I hope, like, his attorney's defense was, Your Honor, he was in Baby's Day Out. And the judge says, well, yeah, I can't blame him for the killing spree. You're free to go. Um, it'll give me an aneurysm to recount everything that's going on in this scene. So just know that there's a lot of wacky hijinks with a lot of noise and a lot of screaming. A lot of screaming that somehow does not attract the attention of any of the other workers to go, hey, what's the scream going on? I should check it out to make sure someone is not in life-threatening danger because this is a fucking dangerous construction site that someone could fall over the edge and die or get hit by these electric sparks or get their arm chopped off. No, no one cares. And that's the problem with unionized labor. They just go, well, it's someone else's department. I'm not part of the safety commission, so I'm just going to continue on with my job. But Joey Pants does get hit in the balls again. And, you know, really, shots to the nuts are the only thing keeping me going right now. Construction workers have clocked out for the day, much like I've clocked out from this movie. Um, None of them bother to notice that Joe Montana's hanging on a wrecking ball. Don't ask. Don't tell. <laughs> Just that. But back at uh, the house, the rich people's house, the police detective, he's talking about how there's been calls coming in all day of various like reports of people looking for babies or missing babies. And I have to call bullshit on that because every single one of these places, no one saw the baby or noticed, hey, there's a baby just going by. And if they noticed, they didn't even bother going, wait a minute, there's a baby just on its own. Let's go find out what the fuck's wrong with it. Let me call the police. No, every what? They just like, do do do. I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, there was that baby. Now that I see the news report, I didn't think about it earlier that it was kind of weird that a baby's walking on its own. But yeah, now that you mention it, it is kind of weird. Jeez. But Cynthia Nixon notices a trend that every place that they've gotten a call from of there being a rogue baby was in the storybook. And that makes Cynthia Nixon realize, well, the next spot in the storybook is the old soldier's veteran home. See, I told you that guy was going to be important. But also... Everyone's kind of like, okay, to the old folks' soldiers' home. Instead of stopping and thinking like, isn't this kind of stupid? Baby's going and doing everything from the storybook, which means that Baby is on his own doing these things. So not one person looks at Cynthia Nixon like, are you fucking high? We're fucking firing you as a nanny. Like, do you really... Think, are you so stupid that you think baby's intentionally outdoing things? He's like three years old. Not even three. I don't know. He's like one or two. He's really fucking young, okay? 
way too young to be making conscious decisions to do everything in the storybook. And remember, everyone still thinks that the baby was kidnapped. So are they thinking like, well, you know, this kidnapper's kind of nice. He's taking baby to all the spots in the storybook. And I don't know. I mean, I guess if I were to kidnap someone, if I were to kidnap baby, I would take him to all his spots in his favorite storybook. Then again, I would never kidnap a baby, so I probably would be very bad at it. I assume that's just... I don't know, but at the same time, if you think about it, if the baby's content, he's not going to be yelling and crying, so it would be much easier to hide. And so the old son of a bitch is there at the veteran's home watching some old war movies when baby just comes crawling in and he gets all excited and happy because he's noticed baby and the other veterans have noticed baby and they know it's the baby that's been on TV. That is why they are the greatest generation is they know, hey, there's a baby here by himself. They don't actually call the police or anything. They just entertain the baby with songs but there's only so much you can ask from them you know i mean they already sacrificed so much for us during world war ii i think it's just asking a little too much to be like well you should also be calling the police when babies just randomly appear but that's okay since the family and the police already know like hey let's check out the veterans home and they get there and, you know, it's a big happy reunion, and everyone's happy, and there's still ten fucking minutes in this piece of shit. Oh. Well, I guess they gotta wrap up the whole criminals thing. Um, my guess is they come back, try to kidnap again, and they get arrested, and they go to jail, and they're, and they're happy that they're in jail, because they no longer have to deal with all the shenanigans of chasing the baby. Let's see if I'm right. On the drive home, Baby recognizes the evil villain's lair, or their hideout, where he had been kidnapped, and where his book had been left. Which, apparently that was kind of, I guess, the last thing on his mind until he had his adventures and thought, okay, I want my book back, or I lived the adventures of this book. And so he leads the police to the hideout where... The criminals were trying to lick their wounds and deciding they were going to go back to being stick-up guys and robbing banks and stuff. But no, the police have caught them, and even though there's only circumstantial evidence being that, you know, the book is in their possession, but hey, you know, it could have just been a book we had because we liked it as a child. You know, but I think the sight of the baby just kind of gave Joe Montana some PTSD. So, you know, they just willingly, like, give themselves up. And they go back home. Everyone's happy. Laura Flynn Boyle has, I guess, decided she's going to be a good mother from now on. And one of the things she has done is she has set an appointment for a baby to get, her fo- get his photo done. The next day. Now, mind you, it wasn't until nighttime, basically, that they finally found baby. So who was open late at night to be like, yeah, we'll take bookings. And if they're open late at night to take bookings, I guess I'm not surprised that they had an opening the next day. And also considering that this all started with fucking picture being taken, 
I don't know. Maybe you'd want to wait a while before you get Baby's picture done. But as Baby's going to sleep, he reaches over into the bookcase, which I don't know why they put the bookcase so close to the crib, because, you know, Baby could easily start pulling books and all of the books fall on top of them. Could happen. I'm sure it has happened. I've watched Dateline. But the book he pulls out is Baby's Trip to China. Ah, someone was expecting a sequel. And thankfully for all of us, that sequel never happened. God, I hate this movie so much. Just, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, it was a social critique of how where the modern world is so preoccupied with ourselves that we don't see what's going on around the world around us in the world stuff like a baby by himself just crawling around getting into mischief you know the world war world war 2 veterans they saw the baby cuz they are the greatest generation and they keep track of things like that and they they're on the lookout and they notice things like that but I'm going to kind of more lean towards that it was just a shitty, shitty, shitty film. So, that was Velvet Al watches movies so you don't have to. Another episode down in the books. If you have any comments or suggestions of something you want me to watch and bash my head against a wall afterwards for watching, um, velvetal at hotmail.com. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment in the comment section. Subscribe to my page if you'd like. Or, you know, you could just ignore me like the majority of the world does. And I still have no sign-off. I'm going to try out. Heyo, 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 Velvet Al's gonna go.